Tuesday, January 10, 2018. This is Born to Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another great episode. Episode 75, I believe. Episode 75, almost to 100. You have to think of a, a nice way to round off that number. Continuing the week of student veterans, I have a couple more finalists from the Student Veteran of the Year. First is going to be Gretchen Klingler. She is a Air Force veteran attending the Ohio State University. She leads her cha- veteran chapter there on campus. And following her is my interview with Jessica Nelson, is attending Smith College, Marine Corps veteran. And we're going to be talking to both of them about uh, similar things from yesterday. We're going to talk to them about their service, about leading their chapter on campus, the accomplishments and the cha- and the challenges that come with that, and some best practices on outreach and getting people involved with the club. Enjoy. There are nearly two million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care, specialty care, mental health care, and women's health specialty care, such as advanced breast and gynecological care, maternity care, and infertility treatments. At each of the 168 VA medical centers nationwide, a women veterans program manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or 855-829-6636 or contact the nearest VA medical center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. For more information about benefits and other services for women veterans, visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. Gretchen? Yes. Klingler. Klingler, yes. Got it. You did good. Uh, Air Force veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, we start these conversations with the same question, with the one thing we all have in common, that's the decision to join the United States military. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring us back to that decision for you. Whew, okay. So I had kind of just come to a place in my life where I knew I needed a change. I knew that uh, some of the decisions that I had made weren't putting me on the path to success that I had seen from my life. And I felt like I also needed to serve something that was bigger than me. Um, A lot of the decisions that I'd made up to that point in my life were um, very, I wouldn't call them necessarily narrow-minded, but they were short-sighted decisions. And I wasn't really looking at the long-term and I decided that joining the military was what was going to be best for me long-term, as well as to kind of get my feet back under me again. Yeah. So what did you, you do when you were in the Air Force? I was a 1-Alpha-8 X-2 Airborne ISR operator. Okay. I have no idea what that means. It's totally fine. It's yeah. uh, Airborne Intel. Sure. And uh, did two deployments, one to Afghanistan, one to Djibouti and Iraq. Okay. But I originally joined as a linguist, um, spent two years at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey and then ended up switching jobs to be an X2. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the name of the show is, is Born the Battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know some veterans have seen literal combat, some others haven't, but we know that we all experience some sort of sacrifice or difficulty challenge that we have to overcome. Tell us about some, like, some sort of adversity that you had to face and how you dealt with it. So my second deployment, I was 
um, asked whether I wanted to forward deployed, wanted to forward deploy to Iraq. And uh, I had originally studied Iraqi Arabic at DLI. And I decided if I'm ever actually going to be able to use this language in the location that it's supposed to be used in, go. Uh, so I went. I was kind of in that first group that went back around 2014. And they didn't have anybody there that spoke Arabic except for, or they didn't have anyone there that spoke dialect other than me. So I ended up largely being the one that would go out into the city, help procure supplies, uh, talk to the contractors that were there, and uh, ask if we could use their tools to build up the location that we were in. Um, and that in itself, I think, is really what set me on the path to what I do today and what I study now. It was seeing a different side of Iraq that you don't necessarily see on the media and all yeah. of those things. Um, but the challenge with that and the adversity to that was I was one of the only women there. And I also happened to be one of the only people that spoke Arabic. So um, being in that position of being forward deployed, being one of the only women, going out in the city, being the one that's speaking Arabic, it was, uh, it was a challenge. Yeah. And on top of doing my regular Intel flying job. Sure. So that I would definitely say is one of the biggest challenges I went through. Yeah. So what, what prompted your transition out then? Uh, so when I joined the military, I had decided that I was going to enlist for six years. And then I was going to get out of the military. I was going to move home to Ohio. And I was going to go to Ohio State and study anthropology. That was my goal from day one. Um, and I just followed through with my goal. So, are you from up by the lake or down by the river? Or are you I, from Columbus? I'm from more kind of close to Columbus. Okay. I was born in Medina County. My family now lives in Champaign County, which is west of Columbus, about an hour. Yeah. But I live in Dublin, Ohio. Oh, in Dublin? Yeah. Okay. My one of my favorite barbers that I've ever had really? is in Dublin. My. Uh, my wife, uh, while we were dating, lived in Columbus for a couple of years. Or nice. she lived there. For, we, while we were dating for a couple of years, she was in, in Columbus. Um, and I would always get my hair cut when I was there because it was much cheaper than getting my hair cut in D.C. I would imagine. Yeah, so like it would, it, I would get like 20 bucks would, would get my hair cut, my beard trim, and the tip. Whereas in D.C., that's barely getting my hair cut, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So, fun little tangent that yeah. uh, no, I'm, that's I'm familiar awesome. with Dublin. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, talk, talk to us about your role. Um, so, you're at Ohio State. I am. That's, um, uh, people have heard of that school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm aware. Every once in a while, I'll tell people I'm from the Ohio State the, University. It's... Let's um, let's talk about your 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 uh, role then on mm -hmm. Ohio State's uh, campus. You're the, you're the chapter leader. I am. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Second um, year. Your second year mm -hmm. as a leader. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Uh, not that I don't think you could, but I know a lot of people <laughs> get burnt out after a year. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's it a, is. On top of a full course load, on top of being mm -hmm. already being an adult with a life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you ever seen those Venn diagrams where it says you can choose sleep, social life, or school? You can only pick two of them. Yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. tends to be how I feel a lot. So, I mean, tell us about one of your bigger accomplishments that you've had as a chapter leader. So, I would say 
a personal accomplishment is that I was selected as the 2017 Ohio State Military and Veterans Student of the Year, uh, partially because of my work with uh, Vets for Vets, but also with the wider campus uh, veterans groups. But within my specific chapter, I would say one of the big things that I feel like me and my team have been able to accomplish is we've tripled our numbers of people who are actively involved in our chapter. Now, Ohio State has 1,600 or so veterans on campus. Is that identified veterans or is that number of people using GI Bill benefits? I believe you know that is identified veterans. Okay. Yeah. So after that, I want to say it's somewhere around 2,300 that are benefits users yeah, and like faculty and staff. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, from my understanding, though, it's 1,600 identified veterans. That's amazing. It's, That's a big population. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but, of course, with a campus that size and with literally 1,000 student organizations you can be involved in, um, having people that want to continue to be a part of the veterans community instead of transitioning entirely away from it has been a little bit of a challenge. But I would say that by diversifying our programming and creating programming that people are interested in and want to become further involved in and find value in is a, it's been a huge benefit for us yeah. at Ohio State. So, so um, you may have some of the best insight on this, on this question of all the people that have asked because of how big that campus is. Mm. Columbus is in a big city, but there's plenty to do there. Yeah. Um, tell us about the challenges that you have with outreach and um, maybe a best practice that you've learned on getting, getting student veterans willing to be more engaged with the group. So one of the big things that I had noticed is we have a veterans lounge at Ohio State, yeah. and there's a lot of times where people will come in, sit in the back corner, study, leave, and nobody really knows who they are. They don't come over and say hi, they just wanna use the quiet space, and that's fine. Like We should definitely understand and respect that, but at the same time, it's difficult to get people engaged yeah. with the community if student leaders don't approach them. Uh, we don't wear our name tags on our shirts anymore. We don't walk around with our last names proudly displayed for everyone to see. And so one of the things that I've really been trying to push my community and my officers to do is engage with those people and get to know their name. Because nobody wants to be involved in an organization if they don't feel like they're valued. And the best way to find value in something is to feel like you're included and somebody knows who you are. So when somebody walks into the veterans lounge, it's so easy to say, hey, Alex, mm -hmm. or hi, John, uh, because people feel like they belong then. And as people start to feel like they belong, they want to continue to give back to that community. Yeah. I would say that is probably the biggest thing that has helped our community is just getting to know people and knowing someone's name. And sometimes it's a little hard because you're just walking up to a random person that you don't know. And sometimes yeah. there's you know, easy icebreakers to do. You don't know me, I don't know you, but hi, I'm Gretchen. Yeah. Like, as simple as that. And ask what somebody's major is, how long they've been at Ohio State, or whatever university. Uh, I would, that would be the biggest advice that I would give, yeah. is to reach out and actually get to know somebody's name. Yeah, I remember, um 
when, I don't remember if I was the president yet or not, but I remember at American, um, I was just sitting in one of the common areas, saw this guy, big burly dude with a beard sitting there, and I look over and he's got the obvious military tats up his arm, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, how you doing, Marine? And he like looked at me like looked at looked like I don't know who you are. Murph? And I was like, uh, well, that moto tat on your arm makes it pretty. <laughs> no one gets those tattoos for fun. <laughs> you know? That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I just simply was like, just I don't know if you know this, but we have a veterans lounge. This is where mm -hmm. it's located. There's free coffee. That's always a get, right? I'm like, oh yeah. I was like, we got free coffee in there. Uh, it's a place just to get away, and, and you know. And sure enough, a couple of days later, he wandered in, and he he had, he was an active member all the way until he graduated. Yeah. Simply because I identified the the clear veteran signal yep. coming off his body and and just simply told him that it was available that yeah. it's there you know and having that space is so important it's for us huge too. yeah um there were people that i knew that had gone to ohio state for two three three and a half years and had never been in the veterans lounge one they either weren't aware that it was there or two maybe they were a reserve or guard and they're like oh i'm not a veteran like this is this is our military space you don't have to have the um uh, name associated with being a veteran, having sure. got out of the military. Um, so I drug one of my friends down to the veterans lounge his last semester at Ohio State, and he goes, I don't know why I wasn't coming in here earlier. Yeah. I'm like, I told you, dude, I told you. Yeah. So it's that space has just been so incredibly important for us to be able to hold meetings and just to razz each other and be able to talk about those things that are difficult to talk about among traditional student populations as well. Yeah, what um, with such that with such a big school, um, what, give me give me one or two best practices you've noticed that you've learned um, on engaging with the university itself, and in maybe if it applies, maybe for advocating for your group with mm. the university and working with them to get what your group needs. Yeah. Um, so recently. Uh, it just so happened that the Student Government Association reached out to us and we had suggested the concept of setting up a panel of student veterans where it could be you know, an all-day panel or something along those lines and we could tell our stories and students or faculty could come to us and um, ask us questions about our experiences and I feel like uh, we haven't set that up yet but we're looking at a approximately February, and we really think that's gonna be a great way for traditional students and veteran students and faculty members to, or student veterans, excuse me, yeah. uh, to break down those barriers. Um, so that's one of the big things. The other one is we have an Office of Military and Veteran Services, and that has been, uh, for us, it's a huge game changer. Uh, we've it's been there for years, but the more student veterans that we get, the larger our population grows, and the more we're able to connect in with the Office of Military and Veteran Services, and they're also able to reach out. So being in touch with my administrators directly um, as a student veteran leader has been huge because as well as they know me, I know that if I walk into their office and say, I need you to ad advocate for me on something, there's no question asked. Yeah. Um, because they know who I am as a leader and they trust me in that. Sure. Uh, I would also say that something else that we've done with our Vets or Vets groups 
um, is invite student organizations that veterans might be interested in getting involved with yeah. to come to our meetings and talk to our student veterans about what their organization does. Whether they're veteran affiliated, whether they are a business management club or um, some type of just a fun club. We have a lightsaber club at Ohio State. That's like, awesome. how cool is that? That is awesome. Um, one of our veterans was you involved. Failed in every it. other university that doesn't have a lightsaber Gosh, club. I know, right? Holy smokes! But he was involved in it, and he loved it. That's awesome. And so, getting to know what other people are involved in as well, so I can say, hey, you like lightsabers? I know my friend over here. He's in a lightsaber <laughs> club. If you uh, ever want to run around and smack each other with, with fake lights, <laughs> it's cool. That's awesome. Um, but so yeah, bringing those organizations in and allowing them an opportunity to connect with student veterans and student veterans to connect with them yeah. uh, has also really been huge. Yeah, so uh, that's, I love that, you're, that you do that because uh, I spoke in a session yesterday and said, and, you know, emphasized that this is a great time for veterans to pursue their interests because in the military, you didn't have a lot of time to do that, mm -hmm. right? You didn't have a lot of time to have a hobby, you yeah. know? And if you did, it was limited. Yeah. Um, and what, and be, you know, Ohio State, obviously, with lightsaber clubs, clearly yeah. there's probably, there's, there's gotta be someone else on campus that has an interest, and they, they've probably yeah. started a club or a group or whatever it may be, uh, and it's a great time to explore those interests. And what's, what's great about that is you can learn the nuances of what you want to do in life mm -hmm. to the point of like if you're if you're pursuing some a business degree and you realize I really like lightsabers. Yeah, you can somehow find the nuance in the business industry where lightsabers are a thing. Right? Absolutely, you can open a lightsaber coffee shop. Exactly. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> right. And you may not have had that uh, realization if you didn't get it at, uh, active on campus. Um, last question for you. Sure. Uh, give me give me a. Um, uh, and a skill sets or an experience you had in the military that's contributing to your success today? Whew. Um, so I would say that in the military, something that I had learned was how to uh, tactfully approach situations, especially with superiors, uh, and get my point across without... Um, was coming across as too pushy, yeah. especially with you know sergeants who are above me, officers who are above me, uh, and I feel like that skill set in itself has been so incredibly valuable with even approaching professors, with approaching administrators, uh, with approaching government officials that we've brought into our meetings, or I've gone and talked to the Ohio Veterans Caucus recently. Just that experience of learning how to tactfully approach a situation has been huge for yeah. me. And it didn't even really occur to me until right after I spoke at the Ohio Veterans Caucus. And I was like, oh, this is actually a skill set that I learned in the military. Yeah. And it's not something that I feel like I would have learned in college, you know, first time around. Right. It's something that, it's a skill that you really learn to hone while you're serving, and that is directly translatable to a corporate environment even, because you still have a supervisor in a corporate environment. You still have you know, the CEOs and all of the executives in a corporate environment, and you can still treat them in that respectful way, 
in that tactful way, but also be getting your point across and be taken seriously as somebody who has important things to say. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Gretchen, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing uh, great tips from uh, the Ohio State University. Thank you for your service and of course your continued service to veterans and the role that you have over there at Ohio State. Thank you very much, go Bucks. We're going to start the interview where we start every interview, and that's talking about deciding to join the United States military, because as veterans, it's the one thing that we all have in common. Bring us back to that decision for you. Okay. Um, well, my dad was in the Army. Um, I kind of didn't want to join the military. It wasn't that I didn't, but growing up, we hadn't really been in conflict since the Gulf War, so I was born in the late 80s, so mm -hmm. we had been in the Gulf War when I was little, but... After that, there was no real conflict until 9-11. So once 9-11 happened, um, it was a shock to the country. We had to figure out what was going on. Um, so I was kind of a pacifist until then. And then I, once I, the terrorism hit me and I realized there were people, there were bad people out there who were out to get our country. Um, and I started to process that throughout high school. I realized that um, I was more of a patriot yeah. and patriot. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, yeah I, I kind of started to process what that word meant. Yeah. And uh, I realized that I did want to join the military. I'd been in ROTC, but I still didn't, I, I was like, oh yeah, I want to be a leader, but I didn't, I didn't put two and two together, not with the military, but I realized I wanted to join the military after that. And so the Marine Corps, I was like, oh, I want to, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the, gonna the do biggest it. and the hardest. My dad was like, oh, go in the Air Force. But I was like, no, I want to do the obstacle courses. I, yeah. wanna, I want the challenge. The Marine Corps was telling me, oh, we have the best uniforms. We have the hardest PT. I was like, I want to do the number one. Yeah. So Very cool. Um, all, of, all of our non-Marine Corps listeners are shaking their head right now because they've heard this same thing from every Marine, like, oh, I'd the Marine Corps to be the best, of course, you know. Um, what did you do in the Marine Corps? Uh, I was a topographic analyst, so I, mean, I played around with maps, basically. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. And most people don't. <laughs> I didn't either. Uh, trust me. Yeah. I was like, oh, who makes maps? Google. Of course. So the, the name of the show is Born the Battle, uh, taken, of course, from the VA's motto. Yes. Um, you know, we know not everybody has seen literal combat, but mm -hmm. we've all faced diverse, uh, adversity and, uh, and challenge in the military. Uh, you know, give us an example of some of the challenge you had while you were in and how you dealt with it. Um, I think the biggest problem for me was learning how to, how to lead in different scenarios. Uh, I got the privilege of, like you, serving in different areas. Um, my last kind of my last experience was serving on on deployment, so um, I got to be a leader in in Asia, Korea, Japan. But my last experience was in the Middle East, and mm. that was hard for me because. Serving an, in a leadership experience on deployment, I feel like, is a lot different under that duress yeah. versus doing it kind of in a less stressful environment. The military is always going to have some kind of stress, but it's more of a stress that you put on yourself just to simulate that, that battle stress. So 
when you're in the Middle East or in any kind of high stress environment that the environment places upon you, then it places that, that extra layer of, of kind of, uh, what, what do you want to call it? It's just uh, right pressure yeah. that, that you have to perform under as a leader yeah. and, and for the followers too. So you have, as a NCO, you have people on top of you, a lot of people, but you also have the people under you that you have to take care of. So you have to perform for those, those officers and those senior non-commissioned officers. Um, and you have to perform for the, the junior um, personnel underneath yeah. you. Absolutely. So it, for me, that was probably one of the toughest things. And that was, that was my last experience in the military. Okay. Um, what prompted your transition out then? Um, I, I wanted to go back to school, okay. so I really wanted to get into the nonprofit sector. So I did want to stay in the military, but I want to do nonprofit stuff. And for me, it was hard to dedicate that time in my spare time with the military because it takes up so much time that I wanted to go back to school to earn my degree and do part time military for now. Okay. Um, so what? Uh, so you. You're the chapter leader, right? Yes. And uh, and which university are you at? Uh, Smith College. It's a small liberal arts college. Okay. What state? Um, Massachusetts. At the Massachusetts. Okay. Yes. Um, what? Um, that's right. Quite. Let, let's start with. What's? Give me. Give me an example of what you think might be your bigger accomplishment um, on campus as it concerns to your your the the chapter. Um, actually, I just started the chapter. Oh, okay. So, you just started. That's the yes. big accomplishment. So then. that's the uh, that's the biggest accomplishment I would say. So we didn't have a chapter there. Um, no actual military veteran organization at the school. Um, we're part of a five college consortium. UMass Amherst is the the biggest school there, yeah. and that was the only school that had any kind of veteran organization. They still don't have an SVA organization. So I'm trying to create a five college consortium organization. So I opened it up to the five colleges as well. Okay, so so how did you know, how did you learn about SVA or know mm -hmm. that you needed a, that your campus could uh, benefit from having a veteran organization? Um, while I was still active duty, that's how I learned about SVA. So when I was still active duty, I knew that I wanted to get involved with SVA once I went back to school. Okay, mm -hmm. very cool. Um, What's been through that process? What, like, what's what's a challenge been that you've uh, that you've had to deal, deal with? Either um, just outreach, maybe, or dealing with, or uh, not dealing with. I don't want to make it seem like the university is the bad guy, but uh, but you know the challenges of of getting the university to to help you out or outreach. Like, what's a challenge that you've had? Um, people not really knowing what a veteran is. Uh, the school not being open to the military side of the house. You know. The school is very liberal, yeah. so it's uh, not so much anti-military or anti-government, but they don't understand the military, and they, they're kind of afraid that I want to bring the military or the government into the school, which I don't. I just want to make sure that the students understand more about the military and the veteran population um, and that we're not all warmongers, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah. You 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 dealt with maps. Yes. Um, um, 
do you use that to like diffuse the Sometimes, <laughs> even yeah. though even though you have experience in the Middle right. East and right, you're like, well, you know, I I, I dealt with maps. That's what, that's right. What, it's yeah. like uh, there's there's an intelligence side, and there's yeah. uh, you know, um, doesn't matter. You you can find an identifiable relationship with any person in the military. It doesn't matter whether whether you're liberal, conservative. It doesn't. Yeah. It just you you have to connect with people because sure. we're all people. So. Um, I'm trying to get them to connect with the outside community as well because it's a pretty big veteran community outside of the school as well. Uh, there's a big VA actually in Northampton, which is the, yeah. the surrounding community. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Um, have you, so you just started the chapter. What have you done so far with outreach? Um, I've participated in the, the VA's um, what is it? Stand stand down? Yes, the homeless stand down. Oh you yeah, know about yeah. That? yeah. So I volunteered out there and uh, got so, a chapter member to. Well, we weren't actually a chapter yet. So I got some one of the uh, organizations. It's um we actually have a. It's called a concentration. So it's below a minor. So they do a lot of volunteer work on campus with students to sponsor me to volunteer with them and um, to go volunteer with the VA and connect with two other veterans or services organizations. So we got to connect with them and kind of get them connected with the SVA chapter on the campus. So I have now connections with some VSOs out in town um, to volunteer and get some other maybe events going on to serve the community in Springfield, not Northampton, but still, yeah. it'll be good to set up some community events. Um, so I volunteered with the vet stand down. Um, I wanted to get the campus bilingual because I got involved with the Marine. Um, it's a Marine bilingual group out in town. Interesting. Um, and I want to get involved in Nosotros. And I talked to them on campus, which is a basically, it's called Nosotros. It's a bilingual group. Okay. Um, and I want to get them involved with the Marine bilingual group. Sure. So that yeah, we can all idea. three volunteer together. So it, that would be a community outreach group. So basically, I'm just working on community outreach to get different groups on campus and off campus involved. Okay. Um, and that's kind of my big goal is, is uh, would you call it community? Community outreach. Yeah. So yeah, community engagement, maybe. Community engagement, yeah. yes. Um, what do you, um, did I ask you, what are you studying? Did I ask you that? Uh, psychology. Psychology. Mm -hmm. So I first enrolled at AU as a psychology major, and after one semester, I only took like one or two classes, like social psychology, maybe something else. Okay. And then I'm still fascinated with the content, but I like I really it. realized like I don't actually want a job in psychology. I don't either. Yeah, and so um, it's it, it it was a weird turning point that I had to I had to like do I continue with this, this degree because I like the material mm -hmm. or do I try to like pair something more with a career that I'm looking for and okay. uh, I made the change I made the change over to broadcast journalism and as you can oh, okay. see with us we're on a podcast and that was the right decision for yes. me yeah um but psychology is really fascinating but you, you said you, you don't that you don't have plans to be a psychologist no I want to go into nonprofit work so I feel like yeah. it's still a 
good background. Yeah, I think I think I think anything that helps you understand human behavior can benefit you in so many ways, right? right. Um, so, last couple of questions. Tell me, uh, what's something, what's a skill set or an experience that you had from your time in the military that you think is contributing to your success today? Um, as a map maker, probably not not much of it. <laughs> But I would say the leadership skills for sure. Okay. Um, because I was a very shy person. I went through an ROTC program um, in college before joining the Marine Corps as well. So I think um, coming out of my shell, um, both in ROTC and in the Marine Corps, helped develop at being a little bit sick right now. Yeah. It's not translating as much. But um, <laughs> I think... Vocally, it helped getting words across, sure. trying to speak, being forced to speak in front of people. Um, I think that it helped definitely to try to communicate, um, being forced to, to talk to people, being forced to talk to people above your pay grade. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest things because go, wanting to go into the nonprofit sector, you have to fundraise, you have to... Uh, get out of your comfort zone, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest factors is communication. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, tell me about tell me about a veteran or a veteran organization uh, other than SVA um, <laughs> that you're familiar with that has you really excited about what they're doing right now. Uh, probably the Travis Manion organization. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, a good organization. Yeah, I, I love the Travis Manion Foundation. Uh, I started volunteering with them at Camp Pendleton. Okay. And um, I look as soon as I got to Massachusetts, I looked them up, and they're starting to get big in New England. And so, I'm actually going to volunteer with them in about two weeks, hopefully, okay. if uh, this snow apocalypse doesn't continue. Uh, whenever I go back to Massachusetts, and uh, pretty excited to start getting involved with them again. Yeah. So. As as we're recording this, it's 15 degrees in Washington D.C. Oh I'm gosh. sure even colder. Um, up in Massachusetts, and I've been proudly telling all of my friends on Facebook that it is going to hit 60 down here in San Antonio where I we're imagine. at right now. When are you headed back? Uh, Sunday. Oh my gosh. So I guess I'm going to enjoy the, the I'm going to enjoy this as much as I can. Yes, yeah, Saturday it's supposed to drop. So Sunday I think it's going to head back up. So yeah. that's good. At least you'll miss that drop in yeah. temperature. Oh. Ugh, yeah. No good. Thank you so much for joining me. It was Thank a pleasure you. talking to you. Yes. Um, I'm confident that we'll hear more from you uh, as, uh, as you lead um, Smith's, uh, uh, is it Smith University? Smith? Uh, Smith College. Smith College, there yes. we go. Um, and you know, thank you for your service to our country and, and, you. and your continued service as an SVA chapter leader. Thank you, I appreciate it. husband came home from Vietnam, he didn't really look into all his VA benefits. But now I've got some health issues, and I'm glad VA is there for me. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. So in the blog post and in the podcast and in some of the coverage that you may have seen last week on our social media, you probably saw a lot of talk about NatCon the National Conference that the Student Veterans of America put on. If you want to check out any of the coverage that they did, or that I should say that we did as well, 
Um, you can go on to your social media of choice. I think Twitter was probably the most populated, followed by Instagram. Just search hashtag NatCon2018. You'll see a lot of photos, a lot of stories going on um, about veterans that attended and, uh, and the stories behind those veterans. Medal of Honor citation reading for the day is uh, going to be Frank Anders. Frank was a corporal in the U.S. Army for Company B, 1st North Dakota Volunteer Infantry. He was in the Philippine Islands, 13 May 1899. The date of issue was 3 March 1906. Citation reads, With 11 other scouts, without waiting for the supporting battalion to aid them or to get into a position to do so, charged over a distance of about 150 yards and completely routed about 300 of the enemy who were in line and in position that could only be carried by a frontal attack. We honor his service. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Episode 75 is in the books. Be sure to follow us on Twitter or Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for more stories and images from our community. We're right back at it tomorrow with a couple more finalists from the Student Veterans of America Student Veteran of the Year Award. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Yeah.